Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So in week one of our series on the cross, we came face to face with the fact that crucifixion really is one of the most horrible deaths a human being could suffer. In week two, we learned about how the cross reveals to us the disturbing nature of sin. Or what it is that, that we as human beings are capable of when left to our own devices. But then, what we also discovered as we kept going deeper into the reality of the cross is that if you have eyes to see, not only will you see all that is evil and ugly looming there in that unspeakable darkness, but you'll also begin to see behind the surface one of the most beautiful things that has ever happened in the history of the world. Because what God has done with this instrument of torture and death meant to strike fear into the hearts of every single person who encountered it is he has taken that evil and he has transformed that into the very instrument that he used to save, redeem, and restore all things. Or at the same time, the, the cross reveals to us the depth of human sin, the evil, the suffering, all that's in the world. It also gives us a picture of a God who is so madly in love with us that in spite of who we are, in spite of what we have done, that this God was willing to give everything to show us his unconditional love and to save us. It also reveals to us that we don't serve a distant God who doesn't care, a God who kind of set things into motion and then just kind of walked away, but instead, the kind of God that not only knows our suffering because he suffered himself, but the kind of God who meets us in the darkest places in our lives and suffers with us, always helping us find our way out of the darkness and back into the light. But the most beautiful thing that the cross has to reveal to us is that our God, instead of waiting on us to get everything figured out, has actually gone out of his way to offer his life as a sacrifice or the greatest gift that has ever been offered to the world. And all we have to do to receive that gift, we don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to say yes. We just have to put our faith, hope, and trust in the one who gave everything for us. Or that is the unbelievable, good news of the cross and how our God is big enough to take the worst parts of what this world has to offer. Instead of using that against us, transform that into the very thing that he saves us with. But now that we get what it is that God is doing through the cross, what I would like to do today, given that it's Resurrection Sunday, I mean, it's why you guys showed up this morning, right? It's Resurrection Sunday, is to take a moment and examine what it is the resurrection has to reveal to us about the significance of the cross. Because oftentimes, if you'll, if you'll talk to people who are Christians and all that kind of stuff, what you'll find is that there's a whole lot of talk about the cross, but there's never really a connection between resurrection and the cross. And so today, I want to make that connection and show you just how foundational resurrection really is. But before we get to that, 
we first need to experience the resurrection story. That story that, that changed the world forever. So, the Friday before the first Easter, as you guys know, at 9 a.m., Jesus was nailed to the cross. Then left there to suffer for the next six hours as he slowly suffocated. His death coming at, about, at around three in the afternoon. Then after Jesus' death, he's hanging there from the cross. A man named Joseph gets permission to take him down. And after he takes him down, he puts him in a tomb nearby where his body would remain untouched until early Easter Sunday morning. Which is where things start to get really, really weird. Now, we are a people of resurrection. We believe this stuff, so it's not that weird to us. But you need to put yourself in a place where this is about as weird as it gets because that's a part of the beauty of what happens on Easter Sunday morning. So the story begins. On the first day of week, early at dawn, they came to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Or Early on that first Easter Sunday morning, a couple of women disciples made their way to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body for a proper burial. But as these women are making their way to the tomb, there is nothing, and I mean nothing about this visit that has anything to do with hope. There is no thought of resurrection going on in their brain at this moment. No, all these women are doing is what needs to be done to grieve and honor a friend of theirs who has been killed at the hands of the Romans. Which, by the way, is also the place where the disciples, all of Jesus' disciples, find themselves. They're in some room in Jerusalem somewhere, fearing for their lives, and there is no hope of resurrection. We read this story, and we've got hope of resurrection all over it. These guys are not thinking resurrection. And the reason they're not thinking resurrection is because everybody knows dead people don't come back to life. Dead people don't come back to life. That's the way it's supposed to work. But then as they arrive, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body. And what do you do when you show up and the body's not there? But while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and they bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? And the obvious answer to this is, is because dead people don't come back, right? That's right. And then he says this. He is not here. But he's risen. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified. And on the third day, rise again. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb comes on in the back of their brains. And they remember this. Or at that moment, these women start to get that the impossible, the unbelievable, the unimaginable has happened because it really is the case that their friend and teacher who they watched die on the cross just a couple of days before is no longer dead, but he's alive forevermore. Or just imagine going to a funeral home to view a friend who has just passed. And finding instead an empty casket. 
with people standing around telling you that your friend is no longer dead but has been resurrected because that is how strange and world-changing this event must have been for these women and everyone else for that. And so returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the 11 and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. Now, we like to think if we were the apostles that when the ladies came back and they told us that Jesus raised from the dead, we'd be like, oh, yeah, we knew that was coming the whole time. We get that, right? No. Nobody thought that was going to happen. So, of course, these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But just in case, Peter got up, ran to the tomb, Stooping and looking in, he saw linen cloths by themselves, and he went home amazed at what had happened. Which in turn is the good news that that these disciples not only get to experience firsthand in the next 40 days as Jesus begins to reveal himself to them over and over again, but it's the good news that they went on to proclaim to the world for the rest of their lives. And it's the reason why we've all gathered here on Sunday morning in our best clothes looking all dapper. Because they took this news and went out and proclaimed it to the world. And you guys sit there. I just told you that a guy was dead (laughs) and came back to life. I mean, that's the significance of resurrection. It's something we hear so much that we take it for granted. But now... That you have this this miracle, this event that is going on in your brain. It's now time to answer the question, which we, we don't often wrestle with. What does the resurrection have to reveal to us about the significance of the cross? And to answer this question, we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where the Apostle Paul puts it all into perspective in a very strange kind of way. He's going to ask the question, what if the resurrection never happened? So Paul says this, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. Or the point that Paul is trying to make here is that Jesus, if he hasn't been raised from the dead, then this good news that we have been proclaiming about this God who loved us so much that he gave everything, yeah, that's just not true. Which means our faith, our commitment to the one who has died for us is useless. It's something that we have done in vain. He continues. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify of God that he raised Christ. Whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. Or if the resurrection didn't happen and we believe it and we tell others about it. Then that means not only are we... Um, fooling ourselves. But most importantly, we're misrepresenting the creator of the universe, which is just a nice way of saying that we are twisting, perverting, and even distorting the truth about who God really is. If the resurrection didn't happen. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have died in Christ have perished. Or if the resurrection didn't happen, then those gifts of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life that we all cling to, they didn't happen. Because if there is no resurrection, all that happened on a cross was just another nice guy who was nailed to a tree, 
being killed by those in power. Or he was one of thousands of people who died on the cross in the ancient world, which ultimately means if for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. We are of all people most to be pitied. Or if the resurrection didn't happen and we are the people who believe it, then out of all the people on the earth, all those crazy ideas people have when it comes to religion, we are the people to be looked down upon the most. We are the ones who have gotten it so wrong that other people should, in a sense, feel sorry for us. But what Paul is trying to get us to see here in this backwards, weird kind of way, which is absolutely brilliant because it's hard to see any other way, is that when it comes to what the resurrection has to reveal to us about the cross, when it comes to where resurrection fits in all of this, what Paul is actually proclaiming is that the resurrection is the foundation, the linchpin, the cornerstone upon which the cross and everything else in the Christian life stands. Or for Paul, if there is no resurrection, then the cross means nothing. And if the cross means nothing, there is no salvation or forgiveness or eternal life, which means we are nothing but a bunch of clueless ding-dongs running around chasing after a fantasy, leading other people astray. But on the flip side of that, the good news, the unbelievable news that's being proclaimed here is that if the resurrection did happen, and I don't know about you guys, but I believe it did, I'd kind of be in the wrong business if I didn't, right? I believe it did with every fiber of my being. Then what that means is that it really is the case that the creator of the universe, God himself, out of his love for the world, actually stepped down out of his existence to become one of us in the form of Jesus which God did in his infinite longing to be in relationship with every single person who has ever lived. And the way he went about this was not only by walking among us and showing us his ways, but by taking that instrument of suffering and death, which represents all that is evil in the world, and using that not against us, but to show us his love, forgive us of our sins, and to set us free. Or for Paul, the resurrection event was God showing up in a way that none of us can ignore and proclaiming that the way of Jesus, this, this ancient Galilean Jewish peasant, is my way. Or who Jesus was, what he taught, what he did, even his death on the cross is the way that God set into motion the salvation and the restoration of all things. Which means, if you want to get involved in what the creator of the universe is doing in the world, if you want to be a part of what God is doing and causing his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, then what you need to do is to follow the one who was crucified and then raised again forevermore. Now, one of the strange things about being a modern Christian is we think about crucifixion and resurrection like it's normal, right? In the ancient world, for someone to be killed in that way was an absolute scandal. To, to be hung on a tree in any way was to be considered a curse. 
And so God has taken this, this curse and used that to save, redeem, and restore all things. And again, you guys are just sitting there. Come on! So, ultimately, what the resurrection is all about, what you need to hold on to, besides the fact it's the linchpin, the cornerstone of what it means to be a Christian, is that it proclaims to the world that the worst that this world has to offer, death, destruction, sin, evil, all of those things do not have the last word. Who has the last word is the creator of the universe. So it doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter what you were up against, what you can hold on to no matter what. is resurrection. We serve a God that is bigger than anything we will ever face. A God who will help us get through anything we will ever face. A God who will overcome all the evil, sickness, sin, and death in the world, eventually. So that's why we hold on. That's why we praise and honor and sing glory to the one who was dead and is now alive forevermore. Let us pray. Father, as we've walked through the beauty and the horror of the cross, and now to resurrection. Help us first of all to understand its foundational nature. And that is the linchpin, the foundation of what it is that you're doing in the world. It proclaims to everyone and everything that this is of God. But more than just getting it with our minds, Lord, more than just understanding that, may we understand what the resurrection means for us every single day. And that we serve a God who can't be overcome. We serve a God who can take the worst of what this world has to offer, even death, and bring life from it. We serve a God, a resurrection. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.